0: Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez. A third 2-1 victory on the season edition of Flyers Daily. Now they tee
1: it up, D'Angelo shot, kicked away, Hart got the rebound as he stopped Teravine in right in front. Out of the penalty box, Jordan Stahl, a breakaway, short-handed, backhand, forehand, what a save by Carter Hart to keep the Kate from taking the lead. Another shot as Stall came out of the corner with a backhand shot and the period comes to an end. Here's a shot in front, oh what a save by Carter Hart, he dove out and made the save of the year on Sveshnikov. How the heck does he get that one? What a save by Hart. Trying to find it in the Flyers' zone. They can't, and Lawton will skate the center. Gets the red line and fired it in deep off the end. Whoa, in front! They score! Joel Faraby pounces on it and slides it in to tie the game as Faraby gets his first point in nine games. We're even at one. McEwen on the boards. Gets it out in front of Patrick Brown. He wraps it out right point. Braun through traffic, threw it to the net. They score! That hit a man in front. Talk about having eyes. McEwen was out there. He might have gotten a piece of it. And the Flyers, in a weird goal, take the 2-1 to lead. off back in the Flyer end. If ever you need a e faceoff win, it's right here. Flyers do win it, but Risalainen pressured. Fights to get it back. Carolina in front. What a save by Carter Hardy. Robs Aho oh, in front with a club and hangs on. Flyers go to
0: Carolina and they slay a giant. Carolina coming into this game last night. Had only one loss on the season. They now have gotten their second. Flyers deal them a 2-1 loss down in Raleigh. The Carolina Hurricanes heading into the game and heading into the third period last night, had only given up three third-period goals in 11 games this season. Flyers were down 1-0, scored two third-period goals to get the win. And the goaltending of Carter Hart, he was the number one star in the game. 40 shots for Carolina, 39 saves for Carter Hart. Several of the high caliber on high danger chances. And i got to go back and look at it. But as I'm sitting here taping the podcast late on Friday night, I'll go back and look at every save. It may be the best goaltending performance of Hart's career because there were some really, really high-quality saves. And I thought one save in particular really stood out to me. And it wasn't because it was the, the best save in the game, but because of what the read of the save meant to me. And it was the save on Sebastian Ajo as he rotated to just outside the top of the, or the bottom of the circle with the goaltender pulled in the final couple minutes of that game. And he got a perfect pass laid out to him for that left-handed shot, one-time snapshot. And Carter Hart robbed him with the glove and popped up. And you could, you know, you can read body language on professional athletes and especially on goaltenders, we've seen it when goaltenders are really confident. You can read their body language that they're really confident in their mannerisms and the way they skate and they carry themselves and their shoulders and all of that. Conversely, you can see it when they're not confident, but the way that Carter Hart popped up after that glove save in that spot, a no margin for error position in the game with the slimmest of leads 2 one on the road against a really good team. And he popped up, and his body language was like, you're not going to beat me again tonight. You got the first one. It was a bit of a lucky goal at the side of the net, swatted out of the air. But I'm not going to give you anything else. And he battled, and he made great saves, and he kept his team in it. Flyers went 128 minutes without scoring a goal, going all the way back, you know, that Maple Leaf game where they got shut out for the second time in the season. But in the third period, they came out, and... They got the job done, and this year, in just 12 games, a quarter of their games so far this year, three times, they have won a game 2-1, to one. and all three of those games that they've won 2-1 to one have all been on the road. The first one came against Vancouver, the second game of their first road trip of the season, a back-to-back. Played the first game of the road trip, got the 5-3 win over Edmonton. Went to Vancouver the next night, Martin Jones, and they won that game 2-1 to avenge the opening night shootout loss against the Vancouver Canucks. The second time they did it was last Saturday when they faced the Washington Capitals coming off the Pittsburgh loss in overtime. And they go into D.C., and Martin Jones in that game as well, get a 2-1 win. And Martin Jones made some big saves in the third period as the Capitals were on the power play. Rob Dovechkin twice with the right pad. And then in this game, you go to Carolina, didn't have much going on offensively through the, through the first two periods, but your goaltender was so spectacular and kept you in it, and eventually the offense came around in the third period on a set play, Lawton off the end boards to Joel Farabee. And Farabee, you know, the amazing part of that about that play is Farabee had has been struggling to score, and a lot of times when you're struggling to score, you just want to get the puck off your stick quick. He collected that puck after it went off the end boards and really calmly opened up Freddie Anderson and just slid it through the five hole along the ice. That's That was an impressive play. That opened the scoring for the Flyers. And then how about Zach McEwen with a great tip going to the net to redirect that puck? And he joins us right now. He had the game winner for the Flyers, his first goal in the orange and black, and Zach, that was a beauty of a tip. Tell me about it. Yeah,
2: no, I mean, uh, you know, Brandy made a good play there inside the blue line to keep it in, uh, you know, over to Bronner. And, uh, you know, he had a good shot, and, uh, you know, got a stick on it, and, you know, thankfully it uh, found its way in. Um, you know, get a lot of those looks, you know, game, and, and to get a stick on it and for it to go in, it's nice, so. Uh,
0: you know, Carolina gave up three third-period goals all season heading into that game. You guys come out. You didn't have a lot going on offensively in the, in the prior two periods. What was said in the room heading into that third period? Because your goaltender stood on his head, kept you guys in it, and you guys just knew you had to go out and simplify it, play a period.
2: Yeah, I think everybody knew it, uh, knew what they needed to do. Uh, you know, obviously we were in a good spot going into the third, and uh, you know, everybody was kind of just you know same mindset to you know go and win a period, uh, win a hockey game, and uh, you know, I think we stuck with it and, and uh, you know got the job done.
0: Zach, it's your third win this year by a score of two to one. You've won all of those games on the road. Vancouver in the back to back. You beat Washington in D.C. two to one. Now you beat a really good Canes team two to one as well. Winning tight games and low scoring games is certainly a great trait to have for a team, isn't it?
2: Yeah, for sure. You know, uh, everybody's buying in defensively, and, uh, you know, we're going to get our looks uh, on offense. So, um, you know, I think to, to keep teams, you know, within striking distance and, and being able to finish, finish plays and, and, you know, get those goals late in games or, or you know, keep it tight is, uh, you know, it's a great trade to have as a team. Um, you know, I think uh, I think it's just something that we're going to keep building off of and, and keep rolling.
0: Like that Caps game. Last question for you. This went over the Canes on the road, knowing how they've played so far this season. That's a great confidence builder and a foundational block for you guys
2: yeah no for sure uh you know that's you know it's a good team over there um you know we found a way to weather them and uh you know get the job done so uh you know it's uh gonna keep us rolling into the next game and uh it's a good start to this little road trip here
0: zach uh safe travels to dallas best of luck coming up uh, against the stars yeah thanks a lot thanks to zach McEwen for joining us on this episode of flyers daily so again three two one wins all on the road in this young season And then you couple it with, you look at some of the teams that the Flyers have beaten so far this season. Okay, so they've beaten, so here are the teams they've beaten. They beat Seattle. That's an expansion team. Okay, 6-1. But you beat the Boston Bruins, who owned the Flyers last year. You beat the Edmonton Oilers. And as I look at the standings, I look at Edmonton, and they're a team, how about they're 10-3? They lost last night. One of the hottest teams in the NHL to start the season, only with the exception of the Carolina Hurricanes. Flyers beat them on the road 5-3. to three. They beat Vancouver, as I mentioned, with that 2-1 win. They beat the Arizona Coyotes. Arizona was winless at that point. Uh, they beat the Washington Capitals in D.C. The Caps, right now, tied for the top spot in the Metropolitan Division. They've played two more games than Carolina at 14, but they've got 20 points. They only have two regulation losses on the year. And Ovechkin's been absolutely incredible to start this season. Didn't have a point against the Flyers. And then you end up winning this game in Carolina and you hand them just their second loss of the season in 12 games. So I know there's moments in seasons where, you know, we look at games, like we look at that game against the Toronto Maple Leafs and Flyers didn't have a lot going on offensively in that game. Yeah, they outshot the Leafs 36 to 33, but the quality of shots weren't there. You look at the game against Pittsburgh, the overtime loss and, that was a bit frustrating. Obviously, the Calgary game, for nothing the last game of that road trip, that three-game road trip, and they just didn't have it that night, although Hart in that game was very good. But you look at all of that, and you also have to weigh the fact that they have beaten Boston. They were tied heading into that third period against Boston, 3-3. They came out and they won the game 6-3. The same thing with the Edmonton game. That third period of that Edmonton game at that point was the best period of hockey they played all season. Then you look at that game against the Washington Capitals in D.C. last Saturday night. The second period, or first and second period of that game, was incredibly tight, detailed hockey on the road, and then Carolina, the third period, to come out against a team that only gave up three third-period goals all season to come out and get two third-period goals and skate off with the two points in the win uh, it was incredibly impressive, so Flyers, uh, get the two points. They're very important two points. Washington won last night. They got a 4-3 win over uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets, who the Flyers were tied with in points. So this is an important win for the Flyers. And they're right back at it tonight. They're going to take on the Dallas Stars tonight. Dallas has been struggling. They're off to a, a really, really scruffy start. They've played 12 games, 4-6-2. and two. They got the horses there in Dallas. Rick Bonus the other night had a media availability, the head coach of Dallas, after their loss. Um, and basically said it was like a 60-second media availability. I know what's wrong. We're going to fix it. And the players had a players-only meeting. I would imagine the seat that Rick Bonus is sitting on as the head coach is probably a little warm right now. Jim Neal, the general manager, knows the talent that they have. They're not getting it out. They're minus 12 in goal differential. They've lost their last two. And before this thing gets away from Dallas, they may have to make make a move there sooner rather than later. He may be the odds-on favor for the first coach to be terminated this season because you're also in a division with the St. Louis Blues, Minnesota Wild, Winnipeg Jets, Nashville Predators, and Colorado Avalanche. It's a tough, tough division. You look at the Western Conference. I mean, you look at the Central in the Western Conference. That's, probably, that's the second-best division in the NHL behind the Metro. And then it's probably the Atlantic with Florida, Toronto, Tampa, Boston. But you look in the Atlantic, too, and you also have Montreal, Ottawa, Buffalo, and Detroit. So when you look at top to bottom, the Metro is probably the toughest division in the NHL. The Central is probably the second toughest division. And then the weakest division is the Pacific. Although there are teams in the Pacific, like the Anaheim Ducks, who are off to great starts. But Flyers are back at it tonight. It's another chance to grab two points. And it looks like Ryan Ellis, Kevin Hayes, going to be in the lineup. Ryan Ellis hasn't played since the third game of the season, that Boston game. The three game, the four-game homestand, he played the first three games of that. We haven't seen Ryan Ellis since. Kevin Hayes has not played at all this season. Flyers are off to a good start and only had three games of Ellis and none of Hayes. But to get those guys back will certainly be a boost, especially Kevin Hayes. There's an emotional boost there with what he went through in the offseason. And getting him back in the lineup, I think, adds that emotional boost. So there'll be the Flyers and the Stars uh, coming up tonight down in Dallas. Then the Flyers will return home for a three-game homestand. But coming up on Monday, before we get to that homestand, of course, is the Flyers alumni game. That's on Monday. And then the Flyers Hall of Fame night and the induction of Rick Tockett and Paul Holmgren into the Flyers Hall of Fame will happen before the Flyers take on the Calgary Flames. That ceremony, by the way, will begin at 630 coming up on Tuesday but the alumni game coming up on Monday night and I had a chance to catch up with a few of the alumni players <clears throat> guys who wore the orange and black and are coming back into town rekindle some friendships with some former teammates, some coaches whatever it might be and one of those guys joins us right now on this episode of Flyers daily. It is former flyer Mike Knubel who joins us Mike how you doing
3: Good Jason how are you doing today?
0: What Penn State wasn't available? Come on man. what's that? Penn State wasn't available for you? They weren't D1 at the time.
3: No, they weren't. No, they weren't at the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. Notre Dame was just coming back in too. So uh, that was a long time ago. But Penn State certainly got a great program going now.
0: So uh, You played for Red baronson What was that like?
3: It was good. He had, um, you know, I took over the program at Michigan probably six or seven years before I got there. And it was a little bit loose. Um, um, before we got there in the mid-80s, the program was kind of losing its way, And I think he came out of, the St. Louis Blues and was coach of the year in the, in the NHL. And certainly the fact that he was alumni was huge. And then the fact that he had really good success in the NHL was big. And it kind of got the, the program like turned around right away. And and within five or six years, there was, it was really starting to hum. And then uh, kind of the early 90s, got a bunch of good players that came in there that ended up having really good careers. Uh, and then kind of things took off from there. And I guess his first national championship, as a coach was in 1996. So maybe in 11 years, he turned it around and got a couple of national championships. So good experience, great, like pro style coach. It was a, it was a good experience that everything was great playing for him.
0: Pro style coach that helps you when you make that transition after collegiate hockey too, right?
3: Well, I think so. And I think, you know, that he came out of the NHL and instant, you know, created instant credibility. Right. So, you know, we knew he was a big alumni. there, had a fantastic NHL career of 17 years. And that's kind of, when you're entering college, that's kind of really what you're, what you're all shooting for, right? Y'all want that 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 long. You want to be like this guy, right? And so, you know, if if he's got, you know, he's done, he's walked the walk, and so you're listening to what he has to say, and and that's what you're striving to be. So, pretty easy guy to like tie your wagon to and try and follow and try and emulate. Listen and take to what take to heart what he was trying to say.
0: Back when you played, Mike, you know, in the early '90s, the collegiate route wasn't like kind of the fast track to the NHL like it is today along with, you know, junior or overseas or yeah. wherever, you know, the national team development program. What made you decide to go the collegiate route?
3: Yeah, I was like, well, part of it, you know, like when I was 16 and, and 17, you know, those big years, I was playing in Michigan high school hockey and and I wasn't even really playing the highest level possible. I wasn't, uh, you know, and then I finally went to a junior league as an 18-year-old. Uh, once I got to finish high school, my, you know, I think they wanted me as a 17-year-old my senior year, but my mom was like, you're not leaving playoff (laughs) which now everybody does you know but so I didn't I didn't do that and then um um so at the end of the day you know compared to the kids that were heading to the OHL um you know I was behind the curve a little bit and just need a little bit longer runway and then college was going to give me that. Now I had no idea I was just trying to get onto a college somewhere. I had no idea where my career would go. Like the fact that you know to even play one HL game was like would have been so far out of my realm of comprehension as far as what I thought I'd achieve in my career. And so you're just literally taking it one year at a time. And, you know, when you're 18 and 19, trying to build on your year that you had before and keep moving up the ladder. So, um, you know, I kind of, as an 18 year old play, playing junior hockey, then was drafted by Detroit and kind of on my way into Michigan. and things started to roll from there, obviously, so.
0: what, what you know, your roots very today. You played a year in the NA. A lot yeah. of guys do that because they're not ready to jump into playing D1 hockey right away, and then they go and they play D1 and hope the path leads them exactly where yours led you. Uh, what was the dynamic like in the house with Brother Steve at Michigan State, you at Michigan? Yeah. Marty versus the Wolverine. Yeah,
3: I know, I know, I know. So, yeah, it's <laughs> funny, um, you, know, we played, you know, we played a lot of hockey, obviously, growing up, uh, you know, and kind of things worked out for me, and I ended up at Michigan. He ends up at Michigan State. But, you know, Steve, along with my mom, who was by herself, my father had died uh, earlier, you know, when I was 15. And so he was kind of with her and they'd just come to Ann Arbor all the time and, and on the road and, and and go see games. And that was his fun, what he wanted to do. So, you know, I I was very lucky in that respect as having a brother where you don't have that, like, that jealousy or anything like that. He was, like, my biggest fan. It was great, too, because he'd be a big critic, too. You yeah. know, and he – you know, I listened to what he had to say and, you know, probably argue and go back and forth about stuff. And I thought this way and, you know, he, he'd watch games and he knew – he knew like personality. He knew how other guys played and and, and strengths and weaknesses of other players. So uh, and even learned the league that we played against and learn the players. So he always had something to say all the way through. You know, all the way, uh, up through the NHL always had you know some sort of feedback for me. So it was fun. It was a really good dynamic, and I think I'm pretty thankful for that. That that was like you know uh, on our team and you know happy to share and in his older brother's success, I guess.
0: You get drafted in, in 91. You're taken in the fourth round, 76th overall. Yeah. But when did you know the NHL was a distinct possibility? You know, you get drafted and it's like, oh, my God, I get drafted. I'm going draft to go to the league. I'm going go to the show, the whole thing. Yeah. But then, you know, the reality is, is that a lot of guys get drafted and don't make it there. Sure. Was it after your sophomore year at Michigan when you really put together a good season that you thought, hmm, you know, what? I may be I may be able to make a career of this?
3: Yeah, I think, you know, I think you, you hit the, the hit the nail on the head there. It's like you you are drafted, but you have to be smart enough to know it's a long way to go. And that's no guarantee And in that. And then probably yeah, after my second year, my first year in Michigan, just trying to survive and be an everyday player and keep your head above water. And there were a number of draft picks on our team. So you are kind of, you know, kind of around those guys a lot, which was great. You know, but my second year, I got off to a real good start. And, and kind of things started to snowball from there. And I think I really kind of started to climb up the organizational depth, depth chart, you know, sort of, sort of, yeah, they have prospects, right? Every team has prospects on their list and, and, you know, they probably have about 15 guys that they're really looking at. And then, you know, after a year, they kind of whittle it down to 10, and here's kind of our group of 10 that we think have a chance. And you just want to keep climbing internally above, you know, amongst that 10, amongst, you know, inside your own team's list or whatever, who they think has a chance. So um, probably after my second year, then, uh, you know, I think I raised a lot of eyebrows then. And then the third year, I had a really, really, really good season. And they wanted me to come out then um, and turn pro then. But um, uh, back in the day, the collective bargaining wasn't the same like it is now. And now you see the teams are built with young players and then sprinkled in with older guys. And back in the day, it was, Teams were very old, and I'm sure people are Flyers fans. You know, they were they were a veteran veteran team there for a lot of years, and they sprinkle in some young guys. And so, um, they happened to be the 1994 lockout too. And I didn't really see the point of giving up my senior year at, at Michigan to go live in Glens Falls, New York, and play in the American League when we had quite you know we had a national championship caliber team in Ann Arbor. So I didn't really see the point of leaving at that point. So uh, I just delayed a year and decided to turn pro after my senior year.
0: Did. You had a pretty darn good goalie while you were there. Steve Shields, a Toronto sure. kid as well. Did you play with him growing up? No,
3: no. You know, and I, I grew up in West Michigan. I think my birth, my birthplace is a little misleading because. Uh, so you were dropped was, there, but uh, moved. <laughs> yeah, we moved back to, you know, my parents were there 10 years. I had my brother and I in Toronto while my father was working and then moved back to Michigan uh, when I was like five years old. So it's a little bit leading to this day. I mean, I still get those questions all the time. So it was a, like, you know, being <laughs> around Toronto, but um, uh, yeah, I know. So, but uh, yeah, lots of, we had lots of Toronto, lots of Ontario guys and Cam Stewart was from like Kitchener, Brian Wiseman was a fantastic player, Chatham and Shields. He's around Toronto. And I mean, yeah. all the, one uh Chris Gordon goalie from the Sioux. I mean, we had a ton of, we were Michigan team and then a lot of Michigan kids. So it was very Michigan and, uh, and like South, self- I guess that'd be Southwestern Ontario based team and uh, uh, really, really good, some really good hockey players.
0: You've I love looking at your hockey DB. I love it because you played for three original six teams. You played Mm -hmm. for Detroit Mm -hmm. who you were drafted by. You played for the Rangers, you played for Boston. And then you played for two of the, you know, expansion era teams, the Flyers and the Caps Mm -hmm. who have so much history already in such a, in a, you know, fifty plus years, but it's a shorter amount of time. You play for some iconic franchises. I imagine yeah. in the basement in the house, you got the jerseys hanging up. There's some yeah, pretty cool jerseys. Yeah, like- yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it's I'm very lucky. Like you know, to be get me drafted by a um, uh, original six team, and then move on to Boston and New York, and then kind of you know through Philly and Washington. It's uh, it was every every city the game mattered. You know, and the team mattered, and they were yeah. a big part of the culture of the city um, as far as the fan base and and the coverage and you know what what you know what the people and the fans in in the town they just you know that was their winter team i mean you know you have basketball obviously boston the celtics and detroit pistons and stuff but still there's that hockey core group that that's always there and it's very great to be playing cities where it's front page sports page news you know like what the team was doing and and the drama around the team and they're winning and losing and who's coming and going and if the coach will be fired and all that but um it was certainly I think um every town every town I played in it mattered and that was that was that was something that was pretty cool too we were never back page news, which was great but
0: would it be hard to play in a town like where it doesn't matter you know like if you went I'm not gonna pick on them in Arizona or you know yeah, sure yeah. you know not traditional market yeah yeah that'd yeah. be hard, wouldn't it?
3: I yeah I mean I think yes and no because I mean I think as a player, I guess there's certain I don't know I guess sometimes, you like some of that attention, but at the end of the day, it's your career. You know, you're, you're out there trying to be the best player you can be. Uh, whether you have a 1,000 people in the stands or 20,000, I mean, you have a job to do. You have a hockey game, and and you and you have to be a hockey player. So um, does it make it more fun? Absolutely. Way more fun. Yeah. <laughs> but, but at the end, I mean, you know, we go play in markets, too. And where, I mean, Chicago, in our 1990s, early 2000s, I mean, Chicago was an absolute morgue. And it is a fantastic place to play hockey since Patrick Kane came in and John Taves came in. I mean, that place is electric, but so you did have buildings where you knew it was going to be a little bit quieter, but that's part of being a pro. And you, you had to muster that on the road, you know, but you know, it, it like I said, it would be nice to, well, I still remember one time in New York Rangers, we were living in Greenwich, Connecticut and somehow we we're in like, we, had a, we were young, my wife and I no kids or anything. We move in and talking to a neighbor and, you know, we said, yeah, you, know, you know, it kind of comes up always. What do you do? What's drawing you here? What's bringing you here? You say, you know, oh, we kind of with, you know, play hockey with the Rangers. Like, is that the basketball team? And you're kind of like, oh, so that was in New York, you know, and that was in Greenwich, Connecticut, right outside New York. So yeah. not everybody is wise all the time. So <laughs> like, it's like. It was like, you, you know, you don't expect that in the, in metropolitan New York to know the difference between the Rangers and the Knicks. but but uh, yeah, I guess it, you know, not everybody follows sports. So I guess the older we got, we felt, felt it was nice and we enjoyed people that did not know a lot about a hockey. And we found that in Philly a little bit and, you know, in, in the town we were in, in Washington, DC, and obviously not everybody is a sports fan. So it was kind of nice to win them over, you know, and make them a sports fan, you know, yeah. You guys you know, And those, and those <laughs> people that, that don't know a lot about sports and I, I know we're getting on a little bit of a tangent here, but we're getting out on, um, uh, the people I always felt like they didn't know sports. They kind of have a preconceived notion about yep. when mm-hmm. F was and you're this type of personality, or you're going to be like this, or your wife is going to act like that, or your kids are going to be spoiled or you're going to be this and that. So yeah. we always enjoyed being like, you wouldn't even know we were there type people, you know, that, that, and Enjoyed kind of breaking those stereotypes to help, <laughs> I guess, other athletes. You know, like so, kind of break the break the stigma a little bit. Like, yeah, oh, we're just normal people too. We're actually, you know, just raising our kids just like you. And granted, our jobs are pretty cool and stuff. But but um, we're we're like you and like sit on the back patio and have a beer at night too. You know, you know, and watch yeah. the kids play in the backyard just like everybody else. So it's the uh, yeah. same. And you way. deal. So it's you a thing. We're like having, having those relationships.
0: Yeah. And, you know, you go through the same things, you know, the, when your your daughters are, get to their teens, it's a nightmare. You know, all yeah, that. Yeah.
3: <laughs> so that parent-teacher conference, you're sitting there, you're like, oh, God, I hope my kid's doing good. I hope he's not in <laughs> class. You yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm getting the emails right. for the parent-teacher conferences yeah, right. right now, middle school right. and high school. It's it's, it's a party. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about your flyer years, Mike, because you come here to Philadelphia in 05-06, Ho hum, thirty four goals, thirty one assists, sixty five points. Um, it, it, I think it's your career high in goals, thirty four. Yeah. And then you play here for four seasons. You play on that line with Danny Brière and and Simone Gagné, and instant chemistry. What do you what do you recall from that time?
3: Yeah, it was certainly like, um, you know, I think uh, I was actually delayed coming to Philly. I left uh, Boston, and then we had the lockout in two thousand four, so oh, it was green were for years. So it was like. Killer, like it took forever, Philly. It felt like uh, you know, after signing there, had a whole another, yeah, I guess it was about another 15 months before you played the game, almost like the coronavirus here, shutting everything down. But um, but it's business corona, I guess. But but anyway, it was uh, uh it was a great experience. So I think Philly you knew coming in. There was always like um, you know, it was a high powered organization. It was a wealthy organization, they were trendsetters, they always had stuff going on, they were big. They've been to the finals, you know, uh, uh, previous. I think before I got there, I think they made the Eastern Conference finals, lost to maybe mm-hmm. like Tampa. I think we won it all. You know, Keith Primo was the captain. So, yeah, that 04, was the year. Yeah. So it was like, yeah. So it was like something to build. There was a real nice core. They added Peter Forsberg, you know, added Hatcher coming out of the lockout, Mike Ratchy. Like it was like, we have, uh, we have, this team is going to go places, you know? And so, um, but uh, like the organization it was great. Like, in you know, it was, a time where you know we lived in New Jersey, which was great. Loved it. it was, it was, it was an awesome place to be. And, you know, I, I was happy to come in on one contract I actually extended and we went through a really tough year. I think to the next year, five, six, six, seven, went through a really tough year. Uh, one of the worst records ever in Philly, but uh, didn't feel like it. it was still like a great place to play. I found that as a player, like you kept your mouth shut and worked hard and just produced on the ice and and things would be good, you know, and Philly likes the blue-collar guys and, and stuff like that, and that's how I felt that like guy was, and just kind of like humble, be humble, and they like humble guys who work hard, and, you know, again, we loved where we lived in our neighborhood and our friends that we were making away from the game that didn't, like we talked about earlier, didn't know much about hockey. It was really fun to to get to do all that stuff in, in, in Metro Philly, I guess, so great years there. I loved it. Uh, we enjoyed it. and some of my most productive on the ice, too, as well as you were alluding to.
0: What about Peter Forsberg? I mean, he, he couldn't get the boot to fit his foot. It was frustrating for him. But all said and done, the guy still was an, a more than point-per-game player here. Yeah. In, in yeah, that time, know, he right? struggled with that so much. It's He, he was a machine.
3: Yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, the foot stuff was, for sure, it was maddening. You know, I think it was maddening for him, first and foremost. I mean, above all, for him as an athlete, I mean, yeah. the guy played with so much passion. Anybody seen any of the videos any clips of him playing for the Avalanche, or you know, like how they competed and how the guy played? Uh, you know, when he got to Philly, he still had a lot left in the tank. He just literally, like to your point, couldn't get his foot comfortably in the boot, you know, and be, to be pain free enough to play. But you know, the legs were there, the heart was there, the brain was there, the skills were there for sure. And there's, there were a lot of those glimpses, you know, and things just got progressively worse. And the equipment managers trying, skate companies are trying, everybody's trying to get the guy on the ice, but he was a, I mean, what a fantastic hockey player. And, and, and due to injury, probably didn't get this, the good, like the run he should have had in Philly, you know, but um, um, he was a treat for me to play with, you know, again, really helped me in my career. He and Simone playing with those guys really helped me in my career. And it was great to learn how to play with a guy too. You know, you learn how to play with a superstar where, you know, for example, you're trained to go to the puck, you know, I see a, a teammate in a battle in the corner, you're trained to go to him, go to him and help him. And, one time you're sitting on the bench you know and you're just kind of sitting there between shifts and there's peter he's like hey when i'm battling the corner like don't come and help me get away from me let me go you know and you're those are just- things you have to learn he's like he wants his space he's like i'm good over there like just let me go just kind of when i when you see me get loose and you know be ready to be ready to head the net with your stick on the ice you know and so those are little things you have to learn to play with in that style of play he just loved those like like that hand-to-hand combat, those those battles in the corner, he loved it. You know, for a quote-unquote skill guy, I mean, he loved to go nose-to-nose with guys as much as anybody. So,
0: oh, he was uh, so strong. You know, yeah,
3: so fun to watch. Yeah, fun. Even yeah. more fun to play with. He
0: he knew he was going into those board battles. he was going to win, and he was going to put that patented Forsberg backward check on a guy.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exploding shoulder, exactly. Yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> you knew you were going to get it when you're defending him. You're like, well, do I play him or do I combat mm-hmm. him hard? I feel like I'm going to. well, no, I shoulder right on my chin. Shit. You know,
0: you're like, dang. <laughs> yeah. 100 games, 115 points as a flyer and and couldn't get a skate to fit his foot. That's yeah, amazing. Okay, right? yeah, um, yeah. Danny Breer comes in that season, in the offseason after that tough year you just alluded to. Yeah. And he comes and then all of a sudden you guys go from that, that miserable season on, from a win-loss standpoint. And boom, you come back and you go to a conference final. Could you have imagined mm-hmm. a turnaround that quick?
3: Yeah, I know. It's I mean, you added in you you had the maturation of you know, like the Carters and the Richards and yep, uh, you know you add guys like Loopal and Upshaw. You had some real young blood, Scotty Hartnell. I think came in there. Kimo and Kimo, like, yeah. You know, I mean, there's just so many. I don't have the like, the whole roster in front of me, but there was all these guys starting to come in. The young guys were maturing, and it was starting to go again. And Danny, obviously, the the impact he had on the Flyers organization for a number of years, you know, began there as it was, it's funny that summer it was, it was, uh, you know, it was between Danny and Scott Gomez and they were the two yeah. two unrestricted guys that were, everybody was going for, you know, and in Philly after their year, they're like, they're like hell bent. One of these two, you know, ended up getting Danny out of the two. And I think Scott Rangers. or, Yeah. I think yeah, the Rangers. And so was, you know, we were going to see them all the time. Cause they were in the division and that, but, but uh, you know, Danny ended up having a, a terrific run. It was a real, real boost for us because he was great in Montreal or in, um, in Buffalo before that, mm-hmm. and, and a real star there. And, you know, he came out to be a real, not a good player in the league, like coming out like he had star quality. And so, um, you know, Philly made sure they grabbed him, and he was just such a boost and a competitor, and, and 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 his persona on the team and how he treated players and the staff and stuff like that was just a great boost for the organization. And got, I imagine, and they. You know, I feel like really well, they had a problem. I don't know, Pronger was after when I left, but I was good. But anyway, they that boost that he gave the organization, you know, the way he carried itself was just huge. So it paid off for a number of years.
0: Yeah. Sammy Kapanen on that team as well. And yeah. uh, I mean, what a roster you guys had. And just yeah, yeah, it it worked together so well. Braden Coburn on that team. And Braden was
3: a young guy. Yeah. 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 For basically, well, it was like a Lexi Jitnik or something
0: yeah exactly yeah. yeah yeah and hatch and jason smith is of course back Jason's with the flyers hit. now yeah 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 and yeah. he's coaching with uh ian la with the fans yes. right now yeah. Uh, yeah. monday night is uh the game uh alumni game now you're coaching so you're on the ice quite a bit do you have updated gear
3: you know what? I played in the Flyers one this summer, you know, and and, and so I, I have to go down in my bed. We're actually a huge storage room project in the house going through <laughs> years of year. I, when we went down there, I had 16 pairs of skates. Like, Oh, my God. Like, Yeah. Between us and the kids. And I probably had 30 of my own. And I have all skates, so I can't even give them to my friends, you know, like. Nobody, I have a 14 shoot. It's like, I just got a freak size skate, So nobody can like have them, you know, but yeah, to your point though, I am on the ice a lot, you know, working part-time with American league team here. I just got home like, uh, you know, half hour before we do a broadcast here. But um, uh, yeah, so my stuff is kind of updated a little bit, but not really, but I kind of enjoy wearing my old, uh, old flyer stuff, which uh, uh, I ended up giving my gloves away. There was a a fan at the old, uh, at the last game this summer, and uh, she had taken the time to make a sign uh, with my name on it. So I'm like, oh, here, take my gloves. You know, you know. <laughs> I just know that I've got like multiple pairs at home. So I just have to go find them and grab another pair. But uh, I'm really looking forward to coming out and coming out real, real quickly, uh, just kind of coming out there and coming back to Grand Rapids. But uh, to see a lot of the guys will be great. I think it's, uh, you know, see Rick Tockett and Paul Homer and go into the Hall of Fame. Uh, I won't be able to stick around for the ceremony to play the game, but at least be there for part of it shake their hand and congratulate them and see them. to eye face to face. Uh, it's a real honor to see those two and congratulate them it's all there.
0: I had Scott Mellenby on and he's going to be playing on a line with Lindros and LeClaire. He's joining the Legion oh, yeah. of Doom. Yeah. And the top line on your team, Team Tocket. Is uh-huh. you, you, Danny, and Simone Gagne. What's uh-huh. it going to be like to line up against Lindros, Leclaire, and Mellenby, who played 21 years in the league? Uh-huh. And, and there's a lot of meat on that line. <laughs>
3: yeah, they got us by about 400 pounds, I think. So. <laughs> but that's going to be a big line. It should be a lot of fun. I mean, that's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty impressive line, you know. And so, uh, you know, probably Eric still plays a bit. Johnny played this summer with us. I don't know if Scott's playing a lot, but uh, you know, we're all a little bit heavier we're all a bit slower <laughs> and uh uh but it's i mean that's that's a pretty impressive line i was looking at that i'm like oh yeah they got us by a little bit here simone's still going to be probably in good shape danny's probably in good shape uh oh, yeah. i am not in fantastic shape but not horrible but uh <laughs> yeah they got us i hope we don't have to i feel bad for our defense when we're gonna have to lean on them in the corner and play that play in the corner there so danny danny's gonna have him down low he could uh you could play the big boys down
0: low yeah well you're gonna have to deal with uh for defensively for them mark how and on one pairing and hatch on the other so
3: i know i know the hits he can, keep can still skate that, too but, <laughs> yeah yeah well i see mark how every once in a while he works for detroit so he's in grand rapids every once in a while so yeah I see him, uh, so we catch up and laugh on stuff about stuff but uh yeah and, and so uh and then hatch is around michigan i've not seen him lately he's uh Owner of Sarnia Sting, you know, in the OHL and was yeah. coaching for a while. And so uh uh yeah, hopefully uh um yeah, it's gonna be great. I mean, there's some big there's some big there's some beef out there, like you said. There's oh, some yeah. some big boys out there.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of goals out there too. <laughs> They're really
3: you is. Know, there's a couple of Hall of Famers, like it's mm-hmm. I mean it's that's a pretty it's a it's a it's a very, very talented group. Like that's not something that uh you just kind of putting out there and hoping that people will come and watch. Like there's some legit legit hall of famers out there and stuff's pretty impressive guys who had great history in philadelphia and absolutely yeah
0: um last thing for you mike I, I love asking guests this question because you've spent a lifetime in hockey uh, you obviously grew up playing quite a bit um and it meant so much to you growing up as a kid and then you know you go to the university of michigan you play pro and you're still in the game now yeah. I, I asked this question of guys who are still in the game after they've done because they just it's you know who was it? So, I think it was Scott Mellonby said that it's like you're joining the mob. You know, it's like they prick your finger, and once yeah. you get into this thing, there's no getting out, right? Yeah. And but what is the game giving you?
3: Yeah, I mean, quite. I mean, quite frankly, it gives you everything. You know, it's yeah. giving you everything. And you know, I, you know, I think you're just honored to even be drafted, and then you know, then you might sign a pro contract, and then you're in American League, and you're just getting these steps and dreaming and then you finally get there and play your first game and you're like holy cow like I want to do this for a long time well even before that you go to training camp so you go to training camp with the guys who are regulars you're like I want to be what they what they are I want to have what they have you know and then then you make the team and you're a young guy on the team and you're trying to figure out how long you can go and then you know you see the guys bringing their kids in the room you're like I want to play long enough so I can bring my kids in the room and you're constantly setting these goals and these trying to keep your head above water and play the whole time. So, I mean, the game has just been like more than what I deserve good to me, you know, in, in that respect, like gotten way more out of it. Like lucky, to be a part of the Stanley Cup, playing the Olympics, you know, world championships, you know, kind of, you know, working with young guys now in Grand Rapids. And I mean, it's just, it's, it's been a, such a huge part of my life. And, you know, my kids are playing, I have one boy who's playing, my oldest son Cam plays at Western Michigan. My um, younger guy Cole's out in Fargo in the USHL and, you know, going that college route and working on all that stuff. So it's like, it's, uh, it just never stops. And so, I mean, it's, I guess, you know, to, to Scott's point, you do life. And I've seen a lot of these guys, like a lot of stuff and they've been doing this for a long, long time. And now it's great. It's guys you played with and against are in management positions yeah. and, and higher ups in organizations. So it's, it's pretty amazing to see where guys have gone and the guys who have kept going in the game and a lot of players realize once you are done playing it's you know everybody ends the game on their own terms and kind of how they end the game and some are done with it completely some are uh, ready to keep going with it some jump right back into a full-time job and they realize the hours go up and the pay goes down quite frankly and the guys who like doing it still do it and it becomes like, you know, a passion for them. And so it's, uh, it, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. And, uh, to see the game evolve and, in every which way, the way the athletes perform, the way they think, you know, how the, how the league has changed the finances of the league. It's, it's pretty darn amazing to see how, how it's all evolved over time and how the game itself has changed and athletes and the way they think and, and the way the, the league is run and how suspensions are dealt with, how, you know, they tried to clean up the league and make it safer. And, you know, you always get caught in those stories where oh, I used to be like this and used to this and used to that and back in the day. And the kids don't want to hear that. Anymore. No, it's evolution. But we talk about in the office, we talk, we talk about it amongst ourselves and keep the kids yeah. out of
1: it. So. Uh,
0: you know, I caught my son, my son's a first year midget and he's been playing yeah. since he was very little, got on skates at like three and yeah. I caught him in the rink, just looking at a freshly cut sheet of ice by himself. Mm-hmm. And that was like a really proud moment for me because I love that. Just being in there and hearing the hum, the smell and seeing a freshly cut cheetah ice with nobody else in the particular rink is like a happy place for me. Seeing it through your kids eyes, I imagine, and watching them grow up and develop in the game and and learn the lessons, the life lessons and brotherhood and all of that that comes with it. I imagine that was really rewarding for you as well yeah it is
3: that's a good point i mean use that uh that little story about the open ice and you can see you know the, the kids you know the kids joy you see the little smile start to creep on their face when they hit the ice you know which yeah. is which is great and you forget you know now we're you know i'm 49 years old and and now an empty sheet of ice kind of represents something a little bit different you know as far as it's a little more like you know running a practice a little more like work like that yeah. but you know you forget that 17 18 year old kid or you know, where, where uh, an open sheet is just like, yeah, it's like the playground, right? The playground's wow. open. You got two nets out there. I got pucks. Holy cow. I'm on my playground. I could be out here for hours, you know, and, yeah. and you forget, uh, you know, where those kids, their minds are. So you do, you do get reminded of that little twinkle in their eye when they get on the ice and, and you know, how happy they are to be out there and they can just stay out there and stay out there and play, you know, and just that's their playground. And yeah. You know, think of many other places where your kids could be and what they're doing, right? You know what they could be off doing and getting in kind of trouble and not doing up to good things. So to have them at the rink is certainly, as a parent, very satisfying and very, very calming as well to know where they are on the ice at, 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 you know where, you, where they could be doing other up to things that you, might not be as good.
0: You don't want to force your kid to love it like you like like you did or like I did. I'm 49 as well, and yeah. to. You know, I went away this weekend for a tournament in Hershey with him, five games, one Friday, two Saturday through Sunday, and come home yeah. Sunday, yep. Sunday yep. evening, and I hear the clanging in the garage and he's shooting pucks. I'm going, dude, oh, yeah, you just yeah. played five yeah. games. Take a blow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he loves know, it. Right?
3: yeah. Yeah, that's um, you know, I've kind of like I told you my young guy is uh yeah, in Fargo now, and so it's kinda like that u 16 year and now he's gone. So it's, I, I do miss the, uh, you know, the road trips and driving here and there where we are in Michigan, it's easy to go to Detroit or Chicago or Columbus or, you know, kind of bounce around and everything's pretty drivable, pretty reachable. And there's a lot of good hockey without having to go too far, which was great. Yeah. And you miss that, you know, and, and to see other guys, it's great now. I mean, it's, it's fun. I mean, you see, you know, at the going through the years, you see guys who are ex players that we either played with or played against, but now they're coaching youth teams yeah. And you see these guys on the road, give him and them back, and come over and say hi to them. Like David Clarkson was coaching in Colorado and Pat Peek and Chris Tamer were coaching in Detroit a lot. Brian Ralston runs little Caesars. I mean, it's just guy after guy, you know, that, that, uh, you know, right now in Fargo Cole, my young guy plays with Brian Smolensky's son, Max and Jamie Langerberger's son, Mason, you know, and it's just still NHL guys everywhere. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's fun. So it's just guys you played with and against and, you know, just connecting and staying in touch like that is, is great, and it's it's quite the experience to to still have that. It's just kind of fun, quite frankly. It's it's great to catch up with guys and and coach against them, and now your kids play together; they they're against each other. It's it's great. It's awesome. It's
0: fun. Do, do you carry the sense of dread that when it's over for your kids, what that's going uh, to do to you?
3: Um. No. I, yeah. I, no. Because I mean, I kind of. You know, it's funny. You know, everybody in their career, kind of. Your rope is only so long, right? Eventually your career yeah. runs the rope. And I, I told people it's like, it's like your career is like a wet towel, you know, and you just keep wringing it and wringing it and wringing it. And you try and get, get every everything towel, out of it. Every can. So for me, I ran until I, that ended when I was 40 years old, which I'm uh, like over so super lucky. Right. You know, and everybody kind of runs out at certain times. And as long as you dry that towel and it's on your terms, then you're good with it. You know, whether it might be 25, you might be 30, maybe 35, whatever. But, you know, I just I just want them to max it out, play as long as you can, and then when it's over, it's over, you know, and hopefully yep. hopefully it's on your terms, you know, and it's not like uh um, you know, hopefully you've had enough and you're like, okay, that was a great run. And and I really enjoyed my run and and it was fun. And I guess now I have to get on with real life. But at the end of the day I can look back at my career. Like boys say, you know, I look back at my career and it was great. It was fun. You know, um, wish I would have won some, wish I would have won this or wish I would have won that. But at the end of the day, the friendships, the fun I had, the memories I had are great. That's all you can hope for, really.
0: Well, coming up on Monday, you're going to get to rekindle some of those friendships yeah, yeah, and relive yeah. those conversations and yeah. back with a lot of the boys you played with. And keep ringing the towel, Mike.
3: Yeah, <laughs> right, right, right the towel. <laughs> bring that thing dry. Ring it. Just keep That's, ringing. it. Yep.
0: I'm going to use that metaphor for the yeah, yeah, U16 yeah, team. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, I thank you for doing this so much, man. I know people are thrilled to see that line back together with Danny and Simone uh, come up Monday night. And best of luck uh, with you and your kids and, and everything. I hope everybody's well. And thanks for doing this. And we'll talk again soon.
3: No problem, Jason. Thank you for having me. I'm really looking forward to
0: it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Well, he had some big years, Mike Knubel, here in Philadelphia. And you just always got the sense with Mike Knubel that he was just a good guy and played the game hard, played the game the right way, went to the dirty areas, knew his role. 34 goals in his second year with the Philadelphia Flyers. Not bad. He was a real good flyer uh, for uh, four seasons uh, in the orange and black. And he will be one of those players rekindling his line along with Danny Brière and Simone Gagne coming up on Monday night for the Flyers alumni game. All right, that's going to put a wrap on this episode of Flyers Daily. Brand new one coming up tomorrow. We'll break down the Flyers Stars game tonight. That and much more coming up on a Sunday edition of Flyers Daily. Have a great Saturday, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow.